Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, how are we doing? A little Azzurri action this uh, this week instead of some Calcio. I guess it's still Calcio, right? So, uh, Of course. Uh, how are you doing, man? Are you doing good? I'm doing good. I wasn't planning on doing a pod this week. We always like to take a little uh, siesta during the international break, but there's things to talk about. Uh, and uh a little bit. We decided to get some help this time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a lot to get into, a lot of different elements on the pitch, off the pitch. So we can't do this alone, can we? Yeah, I mean, anybody that watches Syria here in North America, here in the United States, this man needs no introduction. He's earning his first ever cap with the Syria sit-down. Uh, uh, English-speaking Calcio's favorite pundit, the one, the only, Matteo Bonetti. Ciao, Matteo. Ciao, Matteo. How you doing, Frank? I already sent over the blank check, so I expect to see a bunch of zeros on it. (laughs) Hey, let me tell you something right now. It's over for you. This is it. This is the resume topper. It's not getting any better. I have to say, I'm impressed. The production quality, top notch. I love the music. You guys are looking good in the studio. Richard, you're the most Italian person I've ever seen in my life. Look at that that face. If I saw you walking down the street and I saw that hair and I saw that mustache, I'd be like, this guy's 100%. I know it. I can smell it. I know what you smell like already. I can smell the leather. I can smell a bit of coriander. I'm loving everything. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You are uh, certainly our fratesi of the show for tonight. Uh, Going to lead us uh, to victory here tonight, but a uh, lot to get into, Frank, huh? Yeah, there is. Two minutes in, and this uh, this podcast is already off the rails. So as expected, um, as expected. So, um, you know, I think that you know before we get into some of the topics that we want to cover with you, Matteo, let's just give you the floor. Just kind of you know take us on a journey how you got. To because it was a grind for you all your career to get to where you are right now, uh, you know, with Paramount Plus. Maybe you know, share what you can here with our listeners and what it took, and you know, and maybe some maybe sacrifices if you want to, but uh, but share a little bit with us because uh, uh, you, you do it the you, you did it the hard way and you did it the right way, um, and uh, it's it's certainly uh, it's certainly good to see uh, the success that you're having. I really appreciate that intro, man. Um, so I graduated from college and I was going to go into marketing and advertising. That's what my major was. I had no idea what I wanted to do at the time. I wrote a blog for ESPN. I was the Milan guy blogger. It was unpaid. I didn't make a cent from it in four years, but it was, you know, for me, it was something that just helped me get my college. Um, basically I had to complete, I don't know, hundreds of hours to get my degree at a actual job and i said that hey this is my job to watch games write about it so it helped me get my degree and i thought right this is invaluable so i'll leave it at that and then i go back to miami where i'm from and i'm sitting at home and i'm applying for jobs and one of my friends Massimo Marianello, was a family friend he's one of the lead commentators for sky Italia. he told me hey by the way the city outrights are going to be in sports and i was like what the hell is being sports and i look into it I see that uh, someone that I follow mutually, Phil Shane, who's a commentator on Twitter, 
announced that he was going to be in sports. So I sent him a DM. I'm like, hey, what's being sports? Can you, you know, I, I don't have a job right now. Do you think you could get me in? He's like, yeah, I'll see what I can do. And the boss, I got in touch with him. One thing led to another. And they hired me as a production assistant, which was minimum wage. It was a job that for me was great because I was living at home. I didn't really have any expenses other than my car lease. So minimum wage, you know, I was making two grand a month actually seemed awesome when you haven't made mm-hmm. a cent your whole life. And after about a year of that, I remember that they were down like six or seven people on air. There was a sickness going around. I think most of them had the flu. And they said, hey, Mateo, we know you did that blog. How would you feel about commentating a game? We'll give you a trial. And I, I was nervous about it. I was like, nah, I can't do this. I'm an next player. Like, <laughs> I thought I was doing play-by-play. And they're like, no, no, we need you to do the color role. So I was like, okay, guys, I'll, I'll give it a try. But just so you know, like this isn't normally how it's done. Like where I'm from, if you're doing that position, you're either an ex-coach or an ex-commentator. Um, so I did the trial. It went well. I just said, you know what? I'm going to do this and I'm going to try to make it like a, a super fan's perspective. Kind of thinking of, in my mind, Bill Simmons from ESPN, who I, at the time I really loved his calls. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was how I would want to – show off my personality and just cover it and be lighthearted and, and try to be make stupid jokes on air. And they loved it. And I haven't looked back since my first ever game was, um, uh, Torino against Roma. It was Ciro Immobile and Alessio Cerci. This was the 2013, 2014 season. So 10 years yep. ago. Wow. And uh, ever since then I've been calling games every single week. So that's how it started. And, um, uh, yeah, I think I think it, it's not even the right way, but it is a way that allows you to appreciate what you do and you never really have an ego. And I still go in the control room and I speak to all the producers because I remember I was once the guy bringing the coffee to the people right. on air. I was once the guy doing the menial tasks, writing the shot sheets, which lets the broadcasters know in the highlights what's coming up next. So I, I, I did start from, from truly the bottom. And uh, I think it's helped me because I understand TV a lot better because of it. Wow. Well, as far as I mean, because the color roll, and I love the, <clears throat> I love the super fan experience that you mentioned here. But certainly, there's got to be, you know, some some hints of analysis. Who do you tend? Who did you tend to lean on? And because there were plenty of good people there at BN Sports, and certainly there's good people at Paramount Plus as well. Give, who do you lean on to just kind of get the expertise when you're looking at how to break down games and how to break down what's going on uh, for the viewer to understand? That's a great question. So. It was more that I would watch Italian coverage every week with my dad. I didn't watch Serie A in English really until <clears> I got to be in sports. We'd always have a, some crappy feed. I would watch Rai International, which at the time had. So I wasn't even really that familiar with how Americans called soccer because I never listened to commentary in English. So I, I think it was more a fact of knowing some people that were ex-players, talking to them, but then trying to get coaching badges, trying to learn everything I can, reading the thesis of uh, the managers who come out of Coverciano, just trying to really dig deep and learn as much as you can, watch as much as you can, try to really understand as much as you can, while also having the humility of knowing that I'll never be able to say, in my experience, being in that moment. So what I've learned is you don't even have to try my goal is, can I give more than the average fan knows at home? I feel like I've gotten at a level where I hope I, I can do that. And ESPN validated that position. Now CBS did. So when ESPN validated it and said, no, no, you can be a color guy here. I was like, okay, no, I can. There is a space for X non-players to do this. And, you know, it's it's kind of normal in the Spanish-speaking language, like in, in 
uh, Latin culture, South American, the way they cover, they usually have journalists as color commentators and then sometimes the next player too. It has never happened as far as I know in Italy. They sometimes just have one commentator do both roles and that's as far as you'll get as a non-ex player giving his tactical opinion. Excellent. Wow. wow. Excellent. Awesome. That's awesome insight. Awesome insight. It is. Well, Richard, we should we 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 need to make be- the best use of his time here. I mean, and this yes, is all yes. excellent stuff. <laughs> no, guys, it's not. It, I had a two and a three year old running around all day, so it's, I have to tidy up the house at some point, or else I'm going to get screamed at. <laughs> we, we both understand very we, well. We that. know the feeling. <laughs> we know the feeling. Yeah. Don't worry, minor eleven and eight. No, it's good. Let's, let's keep going. So. Let's keep going. Um, all right, so let's start with uh, Spalletti's Italy. The first two tests. Um, Let's just start your overall first impressions of what you saw over the two games. I, I, I liked more what I saw at San Siro. Um, I liked mm-hmm. how aggressive they were, how they pushed forward. I think there we got to see, okay, no, this is what Spalletti's Azzurri is going to be like. Yeah. We expected it to be that way because we obviously know what he's capable of, what we saw from him throughout his career. I even thought maybe, hey, why not go back? Because we, we've had the Chiro Immobile debate. I'm more against the Immobile as an every game starter. I think it's now time to bring in the new generation. But I also thought, who knows? Maybe we get a Raspadori leading the line and we see um, the the Roma 4-6-0 that Spalletti used to employ when it was Totti as the false nine without a true striker. He did that at Roma. So he has done something yeah. like that before. Um, but I really liked uh, Fratesi's involvement. I think now he definitely starts for Inter in the Derby della Madonnina. Di Marco is an interesting one. I think that's the one where I look at it and I think, right. And I want you guys to mm-hmm. give me your opinion about, do you think Italy would be better playing three center backs? Because when I look at the actual players that they have, and I know that they're kind of weak in the center back front. We don't even know who the best partner is for Bastoni. It might be Scalvini. It might be one of the Lazio guys. I think both are a viable answer. But I think to get the best out of the wing backs that we have, even Di Lorenzo was more defensively sound than Di Marco, but especially Di Marco, who's becoming, I think, on the cusp of being truly a, a, a top-level wing-back. I don't think he really works in the back four. And I think this is because it, it exposes him as, as a defensive liability. As good as he is going forward, defensively, I don't think anyone trusts him. I think Frank and I were talking about this you know, before the podcast, how with this Azuri, it's, it's too early to decide who is the, what, what players should be on the starting eleven versus not. Uh, but there are a few players, a few positions I think we, we, we know that should be on the pitch, right? Di Marco is one of them. Bastoni is probably one of them. Um, and uh, probably Donnarumma. And you can, you can make some debate about the defense. But I like that shout about three three in the back because Bastoni's played some of his best ball as a third, one of the three back defenders because he's always going to push up. He's almost another wing back there that you could have. But Di Marco, to your point, Bonetti, is that he does so well going to attack. He is on that precipice of becoming, you know, beyond elite and world-class with the way he attacks the ball, crosses the ball, reads the game so well on the offensive side, and yet doesn't have quite the defensive shutdown and capabilities that we want to see and that he will get. And so putting him, maybe him on the left and Di Lorenzo on the right, or even Di Lorenzo at center back or something, using using the wingbacks to the, the best ability that we can by putting him in the, in the, up in the middle, which would also help us with the midfield, which isn't the strongest at the moment. We have to see what they're going to be made of. Adding those wing backs, I think, will help to, to yeah. overload that midfield and take control. Frank, what do you think? 
Yeah, well said. Frank, were you checking your Snapchat there? What's going on? <laughs> no, I've got, I take notes before the show. So I'm, I, and this is why I always look down over here because everybody, and, that, and it's, and it's a fair assumption. Uh, I, I thought you were scrolling your Snapchat. He's on MySpace. Like, He's on MySpace. Mateo, I'm 48 years old. I don't even, I don't have Snapchat. Oh, you're okay. looking good, man. Uh, I'm I telling you, you look, uh, Italians uh, age like a nice uh, Brunello. That's what I've learned over the years. And you guys are a prime example of that. Tell my wife that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> so sorry, um, sorry, no. Continue. Spalletti's dabbled with three in the back. He did it a little bit at Inter, um, but it, I just I think that that's the problem. I think he's most comfortable playing four three three, so he's going to force this to work with Demarco. Um, if he's going to do that, I I don't mind that idea. I think you play a midfield where, and he's not really used to this in his systems either. When you think about it, I mean, is in the I'm actually thinking of Saudi, but a, a midfielder on that side that, you know, maybe doesn't go attacking the penalty area that will stay home a little bit more that can give DiMarco a little bit more freedom to work, to operate and and play a little bit higher down the left-hand side might make some sense. Um, I, I have a bigger concern with the midfield as a whole. I thought, you know, Fratesi put in a great performance against Ukraine. Um, I thought the way he set them up against North Macedonia with Tonali, Cristante, and Barella, it's almost as if they wanted he wanted to play through the lines, and it looked like he wanted to play through you know Tonali a little bit, but it felt like they were trying to go through the lines, and there were a lot of balls that were lost cheaply in that midfield, and North Macedonia were set up on some counterattacks. Truthfully, in that first game, Italy were lucky to get out of there with a point because um, I thought North Macedonia had the better chances. Um, but, you know... Coming back to it, you saw a contrast in how they approached it against the Ukraine. They did some more pressing, um, which led to the first Fortesi goal. But I thought they used their width a lot better um, between the wingers and between the the fullbacks, not necessarily wingbacks right now. Um, I mean, w- when you look at the second goal for Fortesi, that's all born out of a change in the point of attack from left to right. And the right side, they were 2v1 on that defender. Um, and that caused Ukraine to stretch a little bit. And that ultimately gave the room for Fratesi to score the goal. Um, so my bigger concern with Italy right now is the midfield. And whenever they're have, whenever they forced to play through the lines, there were a lot of cheap giveaways um, in the first two games that led to counters for the opposing team. So um, the DiMarco thing, I think, will get sorted out. Um, you know, he's got Pistoni behind him. So that's a, that's a positive because – you know, the only there, there is transition. They're going from enter to, you know, wing back and left center back and now full, full back. And, do you, do you um, guys remember last year, uh, Gerard De Lofeo, after Interplay Udinese, De Lofeo came out and said about Di Marco, this guy didn't defend. Uh, we knew we had space on that side. And, and this is, I think he was playing as a wing back. That's my issue with him in a back four is that yeah. I think he's going to, I think his tendency is always to push forward. His first thought isn't, you know, I need to be more selfless for the team. And I'm not saying he doesn't work hard because he does. That's not an issue with him. But I think it's just more his mentality of what he prefers to do when he's on the field, which is push, 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 get forward, inverted run, outside, cross it, shoot it. And that's where he's reaching top class levels. But I think in the back four, he just doesn't have that same level of freedom, even if it is a Spalletti system, even if, you know, Spalletti does want the flex to push. It's just not the same as if you're playing with three center backs behind you. The midfield is interesting to me, right? Because Locatelli was better, right? I think we can all yeah, easily admit that's not even a yeah. hot take. He was better than Cristante. I yeah. still... 
it's not that I'm not a fan of of, of Locatelli because I I've, I think we all know what he is. He's yeah. a good Serie A player, but he's mm-hmm. not a player at the level of where Juventus eventually want to get to, which is the Champions League. I don't think that if you go out of the group stage and you start playing in the knockouts and you start facing the top 10 teams in Europe, that a Locatelli is going to help you, might even hurt you. That's where the midfield can get overrun. I think that the only true world-class player that Italy have in that position right now is Marco Verratti. I would start him every single game. I don't care where he plays. That guy is a world-class talent. I, I've, I covered PSG at BN Sports for four seasons. I think three of them were full with Verratti. I got to see him so much. I think Italians have this thing against Verratti because they're pissed off that he never played in Serie A. And I get it. Like That's fandom. And I think they like to take away anything they can from him just because of that annoyance that he's never been in the league that we love. And I'm annoyed by it too. I'm annoyed to see him wearing a Saudi Arabia kit when he could start for virtually any team in the league and be a huge help to them. Agreed. And it brings me back to a point here when you're talking about the midfield. I mean, Verratti could easily play a role like Zielinski played for Spalletti's Napoli in a 4-3-3 where he can get himself in positions behind the front three, be a playmaker that, you know, why is Zielinski so successful? Because there's games where there's so much attention put on Quadratelia, Ossiman, and Politano. And that just opens up a ton. And if you're paying so much attention to them, well, then Zielinski's going to score two goals. Um, you know, the Verratti's not a goal scorer, but you put him in a higher position and you give him the ball, and he did this in Mancini's Italy, he will pick out the dangerous pass and he will break your line. Um, and he will come out of that match. He won't score two goals like Zielinski will, but he'll come out of there with two assists at least. Um, so if Spalletti's looking for somebody to take a mantle, take the mantle similar to that, I agree with you, Matteo. Verratti should probably be in this conversation because to me at this point, he's still he, he's the only midfielder that Italy have that can do that. This is, this is an interesting question. I think that I saw it swirling around on, on, on social media this weekend is that a lot of this, a lot of the lack of talent, it seems like with the Azzurri is being blamed with the club team saying there's not enough Azzurri players starting for this or even on the teams for all these, for all these clubs. And I don't, I don't buy, buy into that. I don't buy into that. I don't buy into that. Look, if they're good enough now with the way that we have Y Scout, we have every scout in the world looking at every single level. They're looking at City C, they're looking at City B. They know who the youngsters are. I was it Claudio Lautito who said we've looked through the whole pyramid. There's just no talent here. There, there's no one like you used to get players going from City B to City A that would have a huge impact. That doesn't really happen anymore. I can't really think of many who was the last one? Gianluca Lapadula that and, and yeah. Gatti Gatti from Look at that Pescara team you tweeted out today with the three players that were there. Yeah, no, but but I tweeted it out because it's so unique that you have three players Mm -hmm. of that quality that are in City of B. The players aren't there. Like, we could – all of us want more Italians to play in City A. But if the players aren't good enough – and maybe there are some situations where I think, like, the the smaller teams, instead of going to these far-flung places and and going to these really small leagues, right? I'm saying, like – um. Think of a Elas Verona as an example. I know that uh, our man Frank here loves Elas Verona. They can't. I'm relegating him this year. So, the, the, yeah, I banged the jump from last year, but I'm relegating him this year. <laughs> so, think about this Elas Verona. They can't buy anyone from the top five leagues. They can't afford them. They can't even buy anyone from the leagues after that the Swiss League, the Dutch League, the Belgian League. 
they have to go to Eastern Europe. They go to the Romanian League, the Slovenian yeah. League, the, the Croatian League, a lot of those Eastern European countries where it's kind of like the third tier of the teams of that level where they go. Now that's where I think you could draw a line and say, okay, hey guys, all right, let's pump the brakes. You're telling me there's no one in City B right now yeah. that knows the culture, knows the language, knows the way culture works, even if it is a step up that you could just get for much cheaper. Maybe there is something to say about you know, the, the the foreign name kind of being sexier for the scout because the scout, you know, that's what he's paid for. It's like, oh, look who I found here playing for Hadjuk Split instead of just going, hey, I got a great signing. He's um, he's uh, at uh, Ternana. He's yeah. a Ternana right back. No one's going to get excited about that. He's balding. He's 28. He smokes a pack <laughs> of Marlboro Reds every night. Who's gonna, who's, no one's going to get excited about that. You know, that's not where these scouts want to make their money. They want to find the new you know, mysterious signing that the fans can get excited about. And I think, you know, there's a little bit of that, but there also isn't just that much talent. I mean, it's they're all, it's all subtopics of what I say about that whole situation about Syria needing to, you know, okay, Syria clubs are in business to make money. And in the cases of some Syria clubs, they're, they're in business. They're, they're there to make money and to try to stay in Syria. They're not there to develop the national team. Um, you know, so that becomes, that becomes a challenge too. Um, you know, nobody has found the perfect formula for developing the, developing the national team and fielding the most competitive team you possibly can field. So it's enough um, being done though, domestically to, to train these young players. We saw many teams go through their cycles. Uh, Brazil went through it. Germany went through it, where they, they had this lull, this gap in talent, and all of a sudden they focused all the energy on rebuilding the youth, and eventually those players just emerged out of those teams uh, and kept their lo- longevity going. Is that what's missing with the Azuri right now? What's you, up with this gap talent? You know what an interesting one's going to be to follow about all this is what happens to Francesco Camarda, the Milan yeah, striker yes, who's yeah. been lighting it up. The guy's got like 600 goals. I think he set the record with the Puccini for the most goals. And now there was a report today that Borussia Dortmund's interested in him. So we keep saying these big teams, they're not producing enough talent. And now suddenly you've got this. And again, at that age, I think he's under 15 still, right? It's it's yeah. hard to tell when they're that young. You know, we thought Hakeem Mastur was the next Messi. And look, yeah. he's playing. Yeah. Like, uh, he's juggling cherries on YouTube. Yeah. So <laughs> with this guy, Camarda, I think you can look at him and say, right, if Milan can nurture him, if they can keep him, he actually might be the real deal. Yeah. But Borussia Dortmund and these German clubs are so smart. They're so shrewd that, you know, they're ident- they're looking at even this level, the under 15s, the Puccini, yeah. <laughs> to try to see who they can steal away. And that's where it can get frustrating because they're, maybe the talent is there. Maybe they're not getting nurtured the right way from what I've seen and from everyone I've spoken to. The youth systems in Italy are some of the best still. And it's not necessarily the big teams. You know, it's the yeah. Fiorentinas of the world. Atalanta's got a very highly rated youth system in yeah. the 21st century yeah. that pumps out talent. So the, the, the youth teams are there. The coaches are there. I think the coaches are the best in the world at every level, even at the youth level. Yeah. So it's it's so hard to predict. You know, I think it's kind of random too. It, it just because yeah. to be at that highest level, I think it's something that, for the most part, you need to be born with it. You know, I don't think that Messi was turned into this player. He just happened to have this otherworldly balance and a left foot from the highest of heavens. 
And it's not something that I think you can really teach. So I think it's just kind of like the roll of the dice. How is it Belgium had all the golden generation at one time? I think it, it's a matter of luck, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. really yeah. anything yeah. else. Yeah, you can point to the coaches and everything. But I think at that level, it has to just be random, right? Sometimes yeah. sometimes yeah. you don't, you can't analyze everything. You can't explain everything. And maybe this is one of the things. Yeah. Yep. Good point. Marco Nasti, yeah, that's another one. I'm just reading the yeah. comments. Brian Johnson, oh, yeah. it's good to see my my career is it, it this is a peak. I have to say. It's a long time. We this finally the found the, the the right dollar figure. They acted they added a few extra zeros, and I said, All right, let's do it. We just we just we don't we don't invite just anybody on the sit-down, Mateo. I'm telling you. Um I'm I am honored to be on. Well, let's jump back to the clubs. Two big games this weekend, and let's start with the Milan Derby. Um intern Milan. Um this is in recent games been results wise it's been one-sided inter have been in control of this derby um especially in the second half of last season uh the two legs at the of the champions league semifinal um you know the one nil match um you know when pioli decided to start experimenting with three in the back uh when you had tatra sanu in goal uh you know and all of these other things um what are your i mean your thoughts here uh, as we head into Derby della Madonnina, it's it's going to be a very intriguing one because you could sit there and say that Inter have the momentum, especially coming off of winning 4-0 against Fiorentina, but you have a Milan team that can attack um, and are, are creating a lot of chances. I think that this is a this particular matchup, and especially with Pioli's change to the 4-3-3 from the 4-2-3-1, I, this is... It's, this is a little more fascinating, um, you know, going in, especially when you've got both teams played 3-1-3 to start the season. Yeah, so um, first of all, I, I can't wait to commentate this game. It's going to be me and Chris Whittingham um, on Paramount Plus for that. And Great. from what we've seen so far, two best-playing teams in Serie A by a landslide. Yes. What Milan did to Roma, and yes, it was self-inflicted because that Jose Mourinho teams tend to not play f- Roma doesn't really play football for a lot of the games. Let's just be honest. Like, how many yeah. times do we come away from a Roma game saying, God, that was a great <laughs> yeah. 90 minutes, man. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's so tedious to watch sometimes the way that they just defend. And yes, they didn't have Dybala, they didn't have Renato Sanchez, whatever. But Milan, the way that they were passing, the thing that impressed me the most about Milan before we get to Inter, how quickly these new signings have integrated. Yes. You think that. Tiani Reinders and Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Pulisic have been there for five years. The movement, I love the combination between Reinders and Leal on that left side. Reinders always makes that run to the box when Leal's cutting in. I love what Loftus-Cheek is. I, I wasn't sure what to expect with Loftus-Cheek, right? Because I had only seen him in spurts. I remember Maurizio Sarri was a fan, but I get why he had that Rolls-Royce nickname, power and elegance. And, and mm-hmm. we're seeing it now that he's healthy. On the interfront, I think they're the best team in City. Yeah. I right now I yeah. have them to win the Scudetto. I think yeah. it'll be close. It's not going to be a runaway like it was for Napoli last season. But I, I've loved watching Marcus Turan. He's finally got his first goal. I think his IQ really stands out. His movement, his understanding of Lautaro's movements. Lautaro's been absolutely world class. I know you guys had a little debate about world, world class means to me. Everyone's got their own definition, which I again that's why it's so hard <laughs> to debate. But to me, Lautaro, world-class striker, he's reached that level. I love watching him play. And I think we'll see Fratesi from the first minute. So Mm. it is going to be the most entertaining game of this first half of the season. Two best playing sides. And I think it'll have this quickness to it and intensity. 
we know that the San Siro is going to deliver like no other stadium does. I can't wait, guys. There's a good chance I have to drive to the studio, I think, at 5.30 a.m. on Saturday because I'm doing Juve Lazio and, and Inter Milan. Worth I'm going to be running on fumes, but it's that <laughs> adrenaline, man, that keeps you going and keeps the voice pumping. Yeah, for sure. Richard, I think my, my concern continues to be um, where Inter give Milan problems is with their, their playing of two forwards. Um, yeah. Uh, over the course of the two legs in the semifinals, it, it got exploited. And it got exploited because the center backs are forced to man mark the forwards 1v1. Okay. And then that creates, if you don't have, if you don't have midfielders that are going to be able to track the midfielders coming through, and I mean, the, the Mkhitaryan goal in the semifinal is a classic example. Um, those guys, you know, he, he'll, he'll come through, but will come through. It feels like Chalinolu, as he gets older, keeps dropping further and further back and turns into, you know, more of a... He'll be hungry, though. He'll be hungry. Yeah, and he will be hungry. Um, You know, the question for Milan and and the questions that have come up in this this great starting run has been their defending. And now, Tomori suspended. Kalulu got hurt during internationals. We're probably looking at Kiar and Tiao in the back. Um you know, Krunic now in the middle of that 4-3-3, does that give you hope that, okay, he sits in front of the two defenders, picks up whatever midfielder comes in, makes this a, makes this a little bit tougher in terms of that regard. But then what do you do about Inter's width with DeMarco and Dumfries running at you? That is where I am most worried about when it comes to Inter. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's been so interesting the way that Pioli's decided to tinkle, tinker things that we've seen – Calabria drift inside, Krunic kind of step back, and Calabria playing almost as a holding midfielder when they're in possession. So the idea with that being, let's keep four back almost at all times and really let Loftus-Cheek and Reinders get forward and combine. Mm. So then you're basically attacking with Theo Hernandez, Loftus-Cheek, Reinders, Leao, Giroud, and Pulisic. That's a lot of bodies. That's a lot of technique, a lot of danger. And a lot of really interesting combinations that we've seen. I've loved two things about Milan. Giroud, his back-to-goal play, forget the goals, most of them penalties. His back-to-goal play and his through balls and his flicks for – I mean, he set through Ruben Loftus-Cheek against Roma, right, when they drew the penalty. He's had a nice combination, understanding, with Pulisic. He set Pulisic up for the first goal of the season against Bologna. So he's done a lot of work, and this whole summer they're thinking, right, who's going to be the Vice Giroud? Giroud's still the guy. Luka Jovic I don't think is going to take his role. I'm not sure what we're going to get from Luka Jovic. I find it an interesting mystery because F. Fiorentina wasn't fully convinced, but then I think back to Eintracht Frankfurt. You don't score 28 goals in a season in all competitions if you're not a quality player. Exactly. But was that a flash in the plan? Was that a Christoph Piontek moment? He's more talented than Piontek. Mm-hmm. Krunich, though, my last point, and then I, I've sadly got to run off and do errands, which this is way more fun. Krunich, I think, is a, a misunderstood player for a lot of people who maybe are more casual in the sense of he's not going to make you gifts that I know Frank loves. I know you love gifs. He's not going to make those sexy moments on Twitter with the ball rolls and the flicks. He's not a highlight player. And that's totally fine because Milan have enough of those guys. They have layout. They've got all the guys who are going to make the fancy reels and stuff. But when you watch Krunic at San Siro, and I think it was two years ago, the first time we went to San Siro to call game that I really, I was like, okay, no, I I get it now. I get Krunic. 
his movement off the ball, what you see off monitor with Krunic, and I think that's why Milan fans were at San Siro appreciate him more than people who have never been there. Yep. He does all the dirty work you don't see off camera. Things that don't yep. show up in the statistics. He's in the right place at the right time. He's selfless. He understands that it's not about him. It's about the team. And you need that guy. You need yep. that kind of glue guy that puts all the pieces together. And Pioli says, hey, guess what, Rade? Today you're playing as a center back. Yes, mister. Tomorrow you're playing as a number eight. Great. I'll do the pressing and help the other guys get forward. I think Rade Krunic deserves a lot of love. Yep. I was never particularly a fan. I still think that once Benesset comes back, he's back on the bench. But I think Krunic is a really, really nice player to have. And there's a reason why coaches love that kind of guy. Exactly. You can't have all Bentleys and Rolls Royces and Ferraris. You need to have the trusty old Honda Civic to get you from point A to point B. 15 seconds, Juve Lazio. Uh, what do you see there? <laughs> so you got to go do your errands. So we got to condense. La- Lazio, look, Lazio raised their game against the top sides, right? That was the whole thing last year. Yep. Was it eight wins, four losses, I think, against the top six, something like that? Are we going to see Juventus more the Magnanelli mold where it was what we saw way to Udinese where it's like, hold on a second, this team actually can play aggressively offensively? Like they have that gear? I'm very intrigued for this one. I, this game to me is, yeah. I have no idea. I don't yeah. know if we're going to see the Lazio that dropped the first two games of the season or we're going to see the Lazio that was ruthlessly efficient in taking all three points away from Napoli. Fascinating, guys. I uh, <sighs> It's going to be one of the best days of the season. I mean, Juve Lazio and Milan Inter in the same day. Come on. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. It's our honor to have you on our, on our show. And uh, no, thanks, guys. You guys do a great resume. job. We need more. We need yeah. We need more of this type of stuff, you know, to grow the game over here in North America. So you guys have a nice community. A lot of really, really cool comments here. I've been reading them all. Take care, guys. Thanks again for having me. All right. Uh, ciao, Matteo. Have a uh, have a great Saturday. Lots of uh, lots of uh, cappuccino, huh? Ciao, ragazzi. And by the way, Frank, when I when I joke with you about the gufo, the owl, yeah, that's a saying in Italian that means jinx, basically. That's <laughs> all it means. Oh, you're jinxing me. <laughs> no, it's that what you're saying is a jinx. Oh, yeah. okay. Ecco yeah. la gufata is kind of like, yeah. oh, here comes the jinx. Okay. Now I, saw, I, got I, it. I remember I was like, oh, I think I think Frank's like, why the hell is this guy sending me owls? Uh, there you go. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> awesome stuff, Mateo. We got to do this again, especially when you can have, when you have more time. Okay. All right. Man. Yeah. No. No. We got thirty five minutes out of it. I'm happy about that. Uh, thanks for the time, guys. I'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Everyone, follow soon. Have fun this weekend. Yep. Take- All, right. All right. Beautiful. Thank you. Mateo. All right. Well, let's talk about these games a little bit more, Richard. Uh, we, you know, Mateo gave a lot of great information. We talked about Krunich. <clears throat> let's come back to the comment that I had. I said I think that. The width is a big deal in this game. Um, and I think yeah. that because – and I expect Kiara to occupy Letaro. I expect Chow to occupy Turan. Um, you know, I bet you half of our chat leaves now because Mateo left. <laughs> I was going to sign off too, but yeah, it's okay. Let's see. Yeah. Hey, let's see who our true supporters are. <laughs> Y'all stay in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway um, – but I think Dumfries and DeMarco have the advantage over Calabria and Teo Hernandez. I know because Teo in particular can be a liability 
uh, and getting caught out of defensive positions. Um, and Calabria, I was not encouraged by some of his 1v1 defending against Roma recently. Yeah. Um, I believe that they can set themselves up in such a way where if Inter have the ball, they can leave Leo high and they can counter through him. Yeah, that's a fair Give shot. me your thoughts. I mean, but it's the width of that what Inter is going to bring and, and where they can put a lot of – that's where they can put a lot of pressure on Milan. And that's where the midfielders are going to have to come back and watch those cutbacks. We've seen Loftus-Cheek and Reinders be willing to come back. But ultimately, they want the freedom to be able to stay forward. And that that part, the, the attacking part of their game could get inhibited here. What are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, it would behoove Inter to go after Teo Hernandez mentally and try to get him off his game. Because you get him in yellow card trouble early, he's going to be pushing. Not He's going to be as not as aggressive offensively and defensively. And then you have even more openings that you could exploit. I do agree. I, I'm weary. And uh, someone put in the chat, I think my Ali said DeMarco. DeMarco is someone you got to worry about. Um, you know that Lautaro is a big game player. He'll be marked by Kiar, but he is going to be someone you have to keep an eye on. He is super dangerous in these games. Chalanolo is going to be hungry for this. It's the runners that we're going to have to worry about. And like you said, we've seen this this song and dance before where two strikers come up against us, and typically it's Inter, but it's other teams as well. They occupy that space in the middle, leave our wing backs, you know, our, our left back and right back isolated. And then the runners, no one catches the runners. You know, Kroonich, RLC and company, they're going to have to be on their game defensively to help out because those runners are going to attack. They're going to shoot from distance. You cannot let them shoot at all. Barella... He is a perennial pest. He's, you know, I, I don't label too many people world-class players, and I do consider Barella as one of the few in City A, and he's going to be all over the place. He he knows how to make these backdoor runs where uh, uh, Bastoni or Di Marco can find you, or, or even, you know, if he wants to go on the other side, and uh, Dumfries can find him. There's some there's some X factors in that midfield for Inter that really worry me right now. And again, Bastoni is someone who's really hot at the moment. The guy we've talked about since the beginning, people are finally saying catch up on him. He's another guy you're going to have to worry about because he likes to leave his space and go up and attack as well. And he, we saw that uh, in the game against Fiorentina where he was leading the line at times where uh, really putting pressure on the back, the back line for Fiorentina. So the, the width and the runners are what really scares me with this game. Um, and Milan are going to have to play a masterful job defensively to, to keep this game close or give them a chance to win. Because I think you're right. It's going to have to catch him on the counterattack, whether it's a Pulisic and, and Leao on the counter. Uh, Olivier Giroud holding up the ball and catching those runners as well because Milan will have the runners. I'm curious to see how Calabria and Teo Hernandez, will they come to the inverted in, inverted roles that they had in the last week? This could be an interesting mix that could really help nullify that midfield that Inter have the advantage of at present. And so it's going to be a fascinating game, Frank. Um, uh, there's not, it's not going to be – both teams are going to score in this game, I believe. I, I just I just feel that both teams are going to score. I agree. I think, I think Inter will finally get scored on here. Mainly because I don't really think Inter have been pressed, you know. That's true, and that's the other that's the other element of it. You know, how do Milan First test for them? Yes, put the pressure on Inter here, and put the pressure on Jan Sommer. Uh, you know, does Pavard make his debut here? I, I I don't know if I don't know if Inzaghi does that. I think he wants to stay with what he trusts. Um, you know, so Ruben will play a big factor. And the concentration level of the Milan midfielders is going to be key here. If they can take away the spaces, if they can take away Barella and Fratesi's ability to be dangerous, that'll help. Because what it'll do is, is that Krunic might be able to just roam. Okay. And then he can probably help 
with double marking a striker here or, or, or there. So uh, more interplayers played full 180 during the international break. Will fatigue be a factor? We've seen it happen. Okay, um, we've seen it happen. We we we've saw it happen to Fiorentina um, when they had to play a conference league game that they had to qualify for and needed to have their best players out there all many minutes. Turn around and play Inter and then go get battered. I mean, it's Premier League, but Austin Villa was in the same situation. Had to play a qualifier three days later. Had to go to Anfield. Yeah. Got spanked off the park. So there is some element to that, Ollie. Love seeing um, Frattesi playing, you know, for real. Giro Teo played in a friendly against Germany, but that was a friendly. Yeah. Okay. So there wasn't much on the line, and I don't even think either of them played the whole game anyway. Um, so, you know, you do have some Milan players that did play, you know, that did play a fair bit as well. Um, you know, so, um, and there is that element. You play 180 minutes for your country, and then you have to turn around and switch on for your club all of a sudden. Okay. Um, and, and that's a valid thing. That's a valid thing to bring up in this situation. I think, you know, when you talk about the Derby, that stuff, that stuff doesn't matter as much. Um, but, you know, it's, it's worth discussing. Um, you think Fratezzi starts? I don't. I don't. I think Barella certainly starts, but I think Fratezzi comes off the bench and he'll be that spark plug they'll certainly need in a game. Anybody- I see Mkhit- I, I could see Mkhitaryan starting. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you know, you got Pavard joining, you've got Fratezzi obviously having a very nice game for Italy and, and it's going to create the temptation to to play him, but I don't know if that happens. Um, Lotaro Martinez, yeah, Lotaro Martinez did not, he hardly played against Bolivia. That was the other thing I was going to bring up. I, I saw Argentina's lineup and um, Quadrado has tendonitis. I, it, Quadrado might not matter here. I, D- Dumfries could probably go the whole ninety. So, people are um, still ready to dub Benjamin Pavard as going to be like a lockdown guy for Inter. And I'm like, I love Benjamin Pavard by the way, but he's going into a new league. And yes, he's a good defender. It's yeah, we got to pump the brakes on that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think he, he'll eventually be that that shutdown guy for them. Whether he's playing as a center back or a right back, but. You got you got to get some adjustment to the games, and it could be a, a shocker for a defender if you're not ready for what kind of league you're getting into, especially as tactical as it could be. Yes, as tactical defensively, but also offensively as well. So um, it'll be curious to see if if he starts and how that all shapes up. But you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised you know see Darmi and Devry and Bassoni back there. Honestly, I expect Inter to have more of the ball because it's going to be their home match. Um, yes. yes. So that means Giroud is going to have to be elite in his hold-up play. And I've talked about this in the past with Darby's with him. If he's elite in his hold-up play, um, if he's elite in his hold-up play, that's going to help Milan, okay? Because he can he he can play the faster guys in. Uh, he can give and hold up. Here's why hold-up play is critical in this situation when you're inferior possession. If you can hold the ball up, you're giving relief to your team. And you're giving them an opportunity to be able to come out and set themselves up and position themselves. Okay, so that's critical. All right, and if he can do that, you know, and if he can deal with DeVry, which I think he can, uh, Bastoni in certain situations, I I think Darmian is not going to be so concerned with Giroud because he's going to be dealing with Leo. Um, You know, they. I, I think that that will help Milan and then they'll be able to establish some of their possession. Cause now you drop it to a Rangers who's going to be able to, and Rangers doesn't play bad passes. Um, but we'll see what happens here when he's going to be put under a little bit of pressure. Um, you know, I think Milan's goal comes off of a counterattack of some kind and something odd. I think Inter's goal comes off of a set piece. Cause let's face it, 
especially a corner kick. Milan have been absolutely dreadful defending set pieces against Inter yeah. Uh, yeah. over the past couple of years, and I see that happening again. I see a lack of concentration happening somewhere. Maybe not a direct header off of a corner kick, maybe a second ball, but I'm going to say this is 1-1. Um, I think that there will be a high level of intensity in this match. I think both these teams are going to bring it. I think it's going to be a fascinating 90 minutes. The shift in the formation, the new players at Milan, okay, here's your real test. Inter, you might get pushed here finally. You might get pressed here finally, okay? Uh, let's see Let's see if you can react. Um, I'm going to go 1-1, and, and Vincent, I don't, I don't disagree. 2-2 is not out of the question either. But I think we're in for a I think we're in for a big ninety minutes here on Saturday. I mean, I, I agree with Mateo saying both these teams are the, by far the two best teams we've seen this season. I agree. Both will get a really true test today, this weekend. Yes, you know, Roma and, and Fiorentina were so, were a little bit of a, a nuisance for both these teams. But I think this is two teams playing at the top of their game, basically going against head to head against each other. It'll be a chess match. It certainly will. Um, two guys, two managers who know each other very well. <sighs> I have to slightly give the advantage to Inter in this game. I don't know how you could not because they have been the best team in the league this far. And and I do see goals. I certainly do see goals. But I'm going to go 2-1 Inter win at home. Um, I just think, you know, Lartaro is, is a big game player, especially against Milan. And I'm not I want, I'm not convinced yet but the Milan defense. And if they can prove me wrong, great. I will happily take, you know, uh, Milan win uh, and prove me wrong. But... I, I'm curious to see how they handle the two the two attackers with the with the runners that they're going to have, and can you can you find Barella in this? Can you find a hungry Chalanola who's going to want to get a goal against his former team? Um, plus, you know, Demarco and Bastoni pushing up, and, and as well as Dumfries on the other side and Darmian. So, yeah, I see two one game. It's going to be close, but um, I, I like your shout about the set the, the set pieces, the goals, and uh, even something something sloppy where they catch him on the back door and, and Lartaro gets a game winner or something like to that effect. But uh, yeah, it'll be close. It'll be entertaining for sure. I, um, it's, uh, I'm surprised nobody in the chat has said that, uh, AC Rigori is going to show up. <laughs> so, cause you already got complaining cause they've, they've, it's only been, I mean, three penalties and they were, I mean, two of them were legit. The, the Torino, the first one Torino, I, th- I think they probably didn't need to call that, but yeah, it's, 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 it's what it is. Well, um, hopefully the kickoff starts at the penalty spot, right? <laughs> well, the money agrees that there's going to be goals in this game because the over two and a half is sitting at minus one ten. Um, but the fun part is, is that the under two and a half is sitting at minus one ten as well. So there is still enough. There is still enough of the faction that's out there that that doesn't know um, that 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 okay, yeah, there's goals, but I don't. I'm not totally confident in selling out for that because this is a derby. So it's just interesting to see. How that's playing out? Um, Would not be shocked about a penalty either in this game. And Inter is at a plus one fifteen, plus two fifty for a draw, plus two forty for Milan. So, um, uh, but a, a draw wouldn't shock me. Plus two fifty is kind of kind of <laughs> tempting. Um, yeah, you know, at those odds, I don't know about the goals though, because I'm uh, Barella's rolling on the pitch already, or he's running at a referee already. He's practicing his sprints for when he approaches a referee. So, um, I like that Rocco. Well played. Yeah. Um, so man, it, it's going to be tasty, but you know that's what? Just game uh, one. That's just game one. You know, that's the, I mean, that's the main course. There's going to be in, and if, if you've a lot is an appetizer, that's quite an appetizer. I'm excited okay. So I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to playing, uh, think no believe. Cause I did it on the, uh, Milan Derby. I'm going to go do it here on the Juve Lazio game. Please do. I think 
Lazio is going to go back to Saudi ball. Okay. I know they can be successful at it because I watched how Bologna went and attacked Juventus. Um, you know, with a relatively similar style of play, but Lazio might be a little bit better at it. And Lazio also boasts a playmaking midfielder that Bologna don't have. Um, I believe Lazio might be better off with the exact same approach that they took at Napoli because where they could crowd the penalty area to limit and take away Vlaovic, take their chances with Chiesa. As long as you're in front of him, he can't do anything completely dangerous. Um, and then be able to hit them on the break where you can expose some of those spaces, you know, that are between Bremer and the backs to each side. So um, thoughts. Um, I like the shot from Rocco. I'm going to, I'm going to go with this. So I think I know, I believe. So I think Juve will be distracted by this Pogba news and they'll play a lot more defensively than we saw <clears> in recent <throat> games. Um, we saw a little bit more open from them in, 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 in some of the most recent games, especially that, that big win that they had, uh, last weekend, uh, weekend before, whatever, whenever we played Calcio last. Um, but I think this Pogba news is a distraction for the team. Not that he's the main feature on the team, but it's just another bit of bad news it's coming Juventus's way that more eyes are on them. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think, I know, I know Lazio is going to be up for this game. We've seen them, and, and to Matteo's point, Lazio play up to their opponents. They play down to their opponents, right? And what we've seen in the big games, and especially under Sadi, they find ways to just get the result that they need to get, play however they need to. As last week, we saw a brilliant performance by them against Napoli, or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, and I, and I, I know that Lazio will be ready to, for this game, and I'm not sure that that Juve are going to have an answer for them. And I believe what we're going to see is to back to my point of what I made in the preseason pod or in the in the prediction pod, and Lazio being second this season, a game like this where people aren't sure, especially because they're on the road. I believe that they're going to they're going to pull out the stops and get a big win at Juventus, surprising many people. Because the people are going to think that last week was a flash in the pan, and yes, those first two games were bad, but I believe that Lazio have the right playmakers in the midfield and in, in the attack that can stifle this uh, Juventus and, and get some surprise goals. And then I love Zakani and, and, and Felipe Anderson on the wings uh, in the attack there. So that's yeah, I, I think I think Lazio went two to one at Juventus, uh, and it's gonna <clears throat> more haters gonna go towards Allegri and uh, Allegri out with uh, all this bad news around them. I'm going one nil to Lazio. Okay. Um, and right now you can get Lazio at plus three fifty to win. Hmm. I can put some money down. Yeah. Um <laughs> Brian. <laughs> UT's at Florida. Are you really that worried about Florida? Yeah, SEC is for real, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the Derby on the same day might need somebody to check in on. Yeah, you'll be sorry, <clears> Reno. <throat> yep. You'll be useless. Uh Lazio's gonna is dangerous for Lazio doesn't want to wake up. Um, so he's all for Allegri out too. So, um, I, I'm going with Lazio to win by a goal to nil. I just think that they found they, 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 the, the formula that they found to beat Napoli, they can use against They can use against Juve or they could play Sarri, but Lazio have multiple ways that they can beat Juventus. I don't know if Juventus have multiple ways that they can beat Lazio. And that's the thing. And that's, yeah. 
we we saw them play against Napoli brilliantly defensively. So you know they had them in the repertoire, and you know the Saudi ball in there, like you said, that you know that's what you believe, and yeah. they have that Saudi ball in them. And so I, I like to see a combination of both in this game for for Lazio. If they're gonna, if they're <clears> going to win, you know that Juventus are going to have their attacks in this game. Um, you cannot discount them. Chiesa, Chiesa is now fit. Um, and some there's some comments about Chiesa not finally being fit after the international break is over, but. They're going to have to be smart defensively, and they're going to have to counter brilliantly like they did against Napoli. And also, they're going to have tons of possession. Allegri's going to want them to have possession. And so, bring that Saudi ball out. Move the ball around. Get them yeah. on their toes and, and force them to play defense. See what happens there. And their, their goal keep, keeping the season so far has not been the greatest. So, test them. Test yep. them. So, we'll yep. see. We'll see. Agreed. Other takes that I'm going to offer here on uh, City for this weekend real quickly before we – we'll, we'll talk a little we'll talk a little Pogba here. Yeah. Uh, momentarily. Um, they, there's no games on Friday. Uh, they're all starting. So they start on Saturday with Juve and Lazio playing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think we get the Roma we're supposed to get against Empoli. Yes. Um, I think uh, Fiorentina get back on track against Atalanta. Do you? Okay. <clears throat> I do. Um, I think that I think that there's going to be five goals in that game, but I think Fiorentina are going to find a way to win. Okay. Um, Monza Lecce is going to be the most entertaining of the game of the weekend that you should watch. I'm with you. I'm with um, you. That's not the Derby or Juve Lazio. Um, and. Uh, Dare I say it? Cali get their first win of the season against Udinese. Whoa, George, are you listening to this? What is going on here? We hey, gotta guys. throw, hey, we gotta throw George a bone, right? Yeah, throw him a bone. Yeah, I gotta keep him listening, right? Um, no, that's a, that's an interesting shot. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, some of the games this weekend. I think Napoli cruise control against Genoa. I, I'm with you with Monza Lecce. I think that's gonna be a highly entertaining game. I'm curious to see Lecce's form on the road. Can they keep this going up? Um, them against Mons. It's going to be a tight game. I see goals in that game, honestly. It's going to be an entertaining game. Atalanta, Fiorentina. I'm not so sure on Fiorentina just yet. Um, I, I can see Atalanta winning this game. I see goals for sure. I agree with you on that. I, I, I want to be convinced by Fiorentina. I'm not convinced just yet. Just the way they've started the season. That loss to Inter. Yes, Inter are amazing. But, man, 4 nothing. That was embarrassing there. Um, I'm with you with Roma. Another another game I'm going to be interested in is Salern- yeah, Salernitana Torino. I'm going to be interested in that game because you got two game. good managers, very good tactically. You got some players who can step up and, and make some big moves. Dapata for Torino and then uh, Buladia for Salernitana. Got good goalkeepers there. I mean, that's going to be an entertaining game, I think, for, you know, in terms of outside of the big games. Salernitana Torino, Monza Lecce, those are two games you probably want to watch this weekend. And so, uh, yeah, Bologna should handle Hellas, I think. Uh, yeah, Bologna is going to score. Bologna is going to score three on Verona on Monday. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and and they're going to do it quite easy. Roma regression to their mean. I, I've got Roma Empoli predictions according to Amazing Vincent. I, I I think I think Roma I think Roma win three 0 I think we 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 kind of they get everybody back a little bit. They they get it together. They're like, all right, and, you know, to hell with this. It's time to make our charge and. I just don't think Empoli have what they're going to need to keep up with them. 
So yeah, I see Roma two to one, and uh, it's not going to be close. It's going to look score wise close, but I think it's going to be like a off goal that Empoli gets a consolation. Roma full comfortable in that game, and and they're going to give up goals because I don't know if they're there yet. But I, I love Roma in this game. Yeah, Rocco, we we talked about we talked about Lecce. We talked about these players that they're finding in Hristovic and 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 Alnkvist and and Bond and you know just. Uh, I've, I've got them finishing 13th. I, I, I think that highly of them this season. So, um, you know, Vincent thinks Lukaku. Lukaku is starting to – I mean, he he, uh, he had a brace and an assist, albeit against Estonia. Um, Catalari scored. Day. What's that? Catalari scored. He did. He did. He, he got to uh, he got to pick at the scraps uh, after after the starters did all the work. So uh, – but but he got his – he got a cap anyway. So, um so that's the that's the long and the short of our preview of this weekend for City. Uh, it's not often we preview the weekend. We always review the weekend. So, uh, you know, it's a different thing for us. It was yeah. but it was a good experience anyway. Um Pogba. His, yeah. his, his, he's not he's not long for the City uh, or maybe even the football world it it from the sounds of it. He's had a rough I mean, he's had a rough career, it seems like, especially of late with the extortion, the injuries, and all that stuff. But the latest news is that he tested positive for doping uh, testosterone recently. And the latest news I saw today before we came on the podcast is that he had went to the U.S. and there was a, a doctor who gave him something and it had testosterone and he didn't know about it. And that's why it's reason. But what happened was he tested positive with the first um, with the with the first test. Um, if he tests positive for the second test, he could be banned two to four years. Could be he'll be end of Juventus because Juventus is going to release him at that point. Um, it's it's hard because we don't know is this true or is it not. You know then and what it's going to do now for Juventus, unfortunately, more eyes on them because everyone's already looking at them for all the different scandals and reasons. And we just had everything last year, all the headaches from last year. People are going to start asking. You know, the joke has always been Atalanta have been doping and stuff like that. Now the question to be like, is Juventus doping too? You know, is anyone else doping? We'll we'll see what happens with the second test. You know, I'm not going to say that he's guilty or not because I don't know with everything behind it. But if he does get that second positive, guaranteed he's gone for probably four years, and then questions will be raised. Certainly with Juventus, especially those, all those the people who who are don't look fondly against them in the FIGC. And so it's it's not. You know, Juventus are hoping for a quieter year in that on that front. It ain't happening anytime soon. So. We'll see how this happens. I think the results should be coming out here by Tuesday or maybe it's after the weekend. I don't remember when I forget the date when they that second test is supposed to be revealed, but uh stay tuned. And you can imagine Pogba's gonna appeal to try to, you know, save face, but uh I don't uh, if it comes up second positive, I don't think he has a chance at all. And it's unfortunate for the guy, he's had a rough he's had a rough time of it. He's a he's a he's a shell of himself that what he used to be when he's as first into Juventus. What are your thoughts? But where 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 but 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 in what environments did he hit the heights in his career, though? When you got to, when you really have to look at it, I mean, the, the the Juve teams of the mid-teens, and why? Because he was surrounded by veterans. He was surrounded by men. I mean, the BBC, Buffon, Pirlo, Vidal. Tevez, uh, Vidal, guys that weren't gonna let him slip. Yeah. Okay. And then he makes the big move to Manchester United and does not live up to the expectations. That shouldn't have surprised anybody. Why was he good for France in the 2018 World Cup? Because there were men there. Okay. Uh, Drugba, Drugba in English. Okay. 
chat's having a blast with this, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, Griezmann for all of his Griezmann for all of his, you know, character. Yeah. Still, you know, widely regarded as a leader on that team. Um, you know, some of the other players that were in that in that you know in that team. Okay, um, that he could just play and play with a maturity because there were guys there that weren't going to let him slip and freedom and the freedom to do what he wanted because he had guys who stopped the ball. Well, that's just it. He didn't need to. And then Conte and Golo Conte carried his butt to that World Cup. Spot on. Um, but when he had to get into environments, and I had this conversation with Phil Shane when we had him on during COVID. Yeah. Um, when you put him in an environment where you give him the leadership, or you kind of give him the responsibility, or there's more, there's more than just football. He falls apart. Yeah. You know. It's just, and it's tragic because I think that, you know, he had world-class talent, but he's never going to be one of those guys I'm going to put in a category of world-class, you know. Yeah. Um, world-class. He, he was brilliant to watch for sure, but you're right. Yeah. World-class for me. Nice segue. Because I know you want to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. You have to do it over a prolonged period of time. Okay. Uh, it would help if you did it in multiple environments. Okay. Um, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is world class. Okay. Lionel Messi is world class. They're God level. They're God yeah, level. Yeah, no, no brainers because <laughs> they went to different environments and they and they won at high levels. Okay. Um, they went to their national teams and got it done to some degree. Francesco Totti was world class. Uh for I mean different reasons. I mean, but when he was asked to play for Italy, he got it done for Italy too. Okay. Was instrumental as a creative, kind of a creative player in Zoff's Italy in the 2000 euros uh, that they, that they lost to France in the final 2006. He played a part in that world cup run. Um, You know, so that would be an example of world-class is Olivier Giroud world-class. Whew, I, I struggle with this. I, I said there was four world-class players currently in Serie A when, when, when Bonetti had that. Yeah, Del Piero, absolutely world-class. But it, I'll tell you what, the Italy part took an awful long time for him to get over that hump. 2006, scoring that goal that put it away against Germany. You know, Before you give your, your, your four people, your four players, let me read, let me read the Bonetti tweet um, about the world-class. So we, we, yeah. never, we rarely get into subjective co- uh, conversations. But this one is is an interesting one. It's a phone because everyone has their their say. And so Bonetti yeah. tweeted out, uh, wanted to list every player in Syria who he thinks is world class. And please complain down below. This is a, lo- a lovely thing because lots of people chimed in on this. But he said Lautaro, Barella, Osimen, Di Lorenzo, Havrashelia, Leao, Magnon, Teo, Vlahovic, Chiesa, Dybala, Lukaku. Uh, and so that's what his list. And as excellent as Panatelia has been, he's not. I can't call him world class yet because he's done it for a. Now here's what I'll tell you. He's at the doorstep. Because, you know, he's done it for Napoli, but now he's on this drought, okay, um, where he hasn't scored since March for Napoli, all right? Um, we've seen Davide Calabria lock him down, okay? Um, but, you know, on the flip side, the qualities that put him at the doorstep, he goes and plays for his national team where he's the guy and there's nobody else and opponents key in on him and he's still, he's still productive. True. Okay. Um, so, who are your four? I think you said four, right? They're all in the same city. They're all in Milan. Okay. Um, 
I had um, Lotaro. Okay. Who the hell did I have with him? Barella, uh, Leal, and Teo Hernandez. No manion? Uh At the doorstep. Okay. Okay. I mean, there's a number of City Out players that are at the doorstep. Uh, what I consider small and world class. Did no. you see him against Kendreva in match week one? No. <laughs> so. in, his, in his prime, he was, I would, I would, I would say elite. I guess at, at his prime, yeah. but I wouldn't say he's world class. So typically, in these types of these type of conversations, you're typically the more stricter one, and I'm the one who will more freely give out name titles, whatever. I just don't like giving it away cheaply because in the past I would say somebody is world class and then they go to complete shit. And it's like, okay, I, you need to, I mean, stand the test of time for me to call you that. You know, I want that. I want world class to be an exclusive fraternity, if you will. hundred percent. And I think my definition, and it's funny because Mateo said I'm way too strict with this. Um, I'm probably I'm probably the strictest, so at least of the people I know. It seems like, um, but my my definition is, and not too dissimilar from yours. You know, you have to be an elite level player for many years to be considered world class. Um, you can be elite fairly quickly. There are some players that have world class talent. Zaniola has glimpses here and there. DiBala has glimpses here, and I and I think I, I labeled DiBala as world class. But I think presently. And there's only presently I probably only label one player as world class because I feel he's done it for enough years, um, and he's getting he seems to be getting better with age, and and that's gonna be Barella. I'm getting a lot of hate for that. It's Barella. There's a lot of players playing elite. There's a lot of players with world class talent. Leao, Magnon, um, and you know, a bunch of the guys you mentioned. Um, Chiesa has world class talent, but it's just world class talent. And for me, they haven't done it long enough to say yes. You know, you you are a world class player, and it's very strict. I know we had this all started back back when Belotti, when he had his twenty eight goals or whatever it was, and everyone was like, "He's world class." We're like, "Let's do it for more than one year, right?" We, yeah. And to your point with Havrashiela and Leao, Leao breakout year next year. People started keying in on him. He had he struggled in the beginning and found a way to get out of it. Last year was arguably better than the year he had MVP. Havrashiela needs to do that too, right? But these and guys he's starting to and he's starting to show it in Portugal. Um, you know, he doesn't have this boatload of goals and assists that you see from somebody like CR7, but you know, he had an assist, I think, uh, the other day against Luxembourg. I mean, who didn't have an assist against Luxembourg? <laughs> I think you and I did too. <laughs> I, I I think I passed it to I think I got I think I got Gonzalo Ramos a goal yeah, in that yeah. game just from where I was sitting at my desk. Yeah. So and um, I, I, and I think how about as world-class talent, all seeming absolutely right. But I want to see more years of this. Elite for me is like, I mean, you look, you think about guys like a Cruz or a Modric who've done it for years, decades. You know, Totti, Totti did it for 20 years, right? Di Natale had world-class talent. Um, so you got to, it has to be longevity for me. You have to be elite for a long time, not just showing a, you know, flash in the pan for one or two years or whatever, or a handful of years. It's got to be like five plus years of, of elite level play where there's, you know, everyone's talking, hey, is he in discussion for Blondie or what? Blondie or is just, it's a, I'm not going to get into that. But yeah, I'm a little tougher on this. Like I said, I think Barella's done it just enough for me. There's a lot of guys who are just, just there, close, not quite there in a few more years, and I'll see him there. But like I said, maybe that's just – I'm so strict with this. I don't know. But like you, I just don't like throwing this name around. You know, everyone wants to say everyone's a goat. Everyone's a goat. It's like, all right, not everyone is a goat, right? Um, so let's let's pop, it, pop our brakes on calling people world class. Like Lewandowski, he's world class. He's been doing it for a long time. 
right? So, I think those were the four guys that I said, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah no, so like I, originally I think I said four guys as well, and I pumped my brakes since then. And I, I think Barella is really the only guy for me, but though I, there's a lot of guys who are on the precipice, like you said. So yeah, I'm cur- everyone has their thoughts on this. A lot of people, you know, some people have more more world class players than Bonetti put up there. There, so everyone is free to decide how they want, and that's just how I see the world class view and how you view it. So it's. Good conversation. Fun conversation. Yeah. I'm not far. The guys that are at the doorstep that I'm not far. Okay. Obviously, Fratelia, Alciman, and then I'd also say Giovanni Di Lorenzo um, out of Napoli. Uh, I don't think Roma have anybody that I would call world-class. Um, Ebola has the talent. I mean, if he if he was more consistent, he would, he certainly has the capabilities of it. But For sure. For sure. Pellegrini yeah. will get there, I think. For sure. Yeah. Um... Atalanta, I really don't have anybody, but you know, Toon Coop Miners keeps playing the way he's playing. Um, Muriel is curious, though, isn't he, with his gold to minute ratio? He's not world class, but man, he is he's something special. Lazio, I can't even get there with Chiro Immobile. I mean, has he been good for long periods? Of t- I mean, it's and that's kind of crazy to say about a guy who's won Capo Caninieri how many times? So he's a Best, most prolific goal scorer in City. Yeah, he would be the closest striker I would put to world class. He's yeah. close. Um, he's absolutely elite. He's the best striker in the, in the league. But uh, yeah, I'm not ready to label him just world class just yet. So he's I want to see that, in the national team. I want to see in the national team. Right. He's one that I struggle with. There's nobody in Fiorentina. Um, Messi, yes. <laughs> Ryan saying Charles de Catalari, right. Okay. Yeah. You know, and it's. List. <laughs> and you, you even brought this up, like you, you want to see sometimes how they do in the national team as well. And guys like Rivaldo, who was world class player for a club team, but for the, for for Brazil, he really didn't do much. And we've seen vice versa, where guys like um, Closa for the national team was freaking world class, but then for his club teams so was like, eh, you know, eh. So you know, it depends. Yeah. It's they have to do it for longevity. You know, that's that's just how I look at it. Yeah. So I I'm very cautious about how you you're you you'll be willing to to give the label out a little, a little bit more as would Mateo, but that's fine. Yeah. You know it's all it's all subjective as you said, but it, and it's an interesting conversation. It's a fun conversation, yeah. Yeah, it is. Dybala has to even with the injury problems, the numbers he puts up are mad. Yeah, but the problem I have with Dybala, Vincent, big games, big games. Though though the Europa go League go and- look at the 2017 Champions League final, he hid. Um. I can point two, out some other big games too, but that one obviously will always jump out to me. I will say in the Conference League and in particular Europa League, he did, he did, he was, he did show up in those games. And Europa League, if he wasn't injured, if he wasn't on half a leg, um, I think he would have made a difference. And he nearly did make the difference in that in those games. So, you know, he is he is close. He's got the talent. He absolutely has the talent. Yep, I agree. I agree. We crushed it today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was there anything? I don't even remember what the whole. I mean. We could do who and catch Twitter because we didn't do it last week, but that's a couple weeks worth. I mean, it's up to you if you want to do that or not. We um, can. How far back do we have to go? Uh, it's, we didn't do it last week, so it'd be two weeks worth. I don't, okay. know, many, I don't know if there's that many, so just bang them yeah, out. There's, there's, yeah, let's bang it out. What uh, What's the date that we start with? We're going to start with uh, Wayne Gerard on August 29th. It's a picture. It's a mural of Lautaro. I'll just show it. Go ahead and show it right here. Getting there. Um, so uh, our first uh, nominee, uh, I forget who nominated. I'll see who nominated here. Uh, uh, we nominated it, uh, but it's Wayne Gerard. Friend, our friend Wayne Gerard says there's already a Lukaku mural in Rome. Uh, premature, I think, for that uh, in Rome. But hey, uh, he could be the savior that they're looking for. Uh, 
So it's it's funny that they already got him up there. So yeah, shout out to, uh, uh, okay, to, got it. I see it now. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, Anthony nominating Parisnich. Tanami returning to Borto after Ferlani told him his salary will be ten euros and a morning coffee. <laughs> Where did I? See? Oh yeah, yeah, I see it. There you go. There it is. <laughs> oh, the Taremi saga. My goodness, my goodness. All right. Uh, busted Calcio with uh, so the original tweet was Allegri asked Chiesa to be like Leao and Havarashelia. The Italian striker needs to score at least 14 to 15 goals a season. So Busted Calcio says, I guess Chiesa could identify as a player within more talent. Anything is possible in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nemesair with a picture of Pioli shushing Mourinho being the highlight of the day back when <laughs> Milan beat Roma. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Namaser again, the stadium, the Stadio Olimpico, the owner, AC Milan. <laughs> it's kind of a play on uh, the, the, yeah. here, here, in, here in Wisconsin, the Packers, the Packers and the Bears, that Aaron Rodgers owned the Bears, and now that Jordan Love beat them, that uh, there's a new owner. Uh, oh, speaking of Rodgers, Chicago Bears. But anyway, um, tough, uh, tough scenes for Jets fans, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Namaser again. Yep. Uh, Nemesis again. How I watch the remaining Serie A games of rem, remaining games of Serie ass. The Milan already secured an early week win for the second straight week. Just uh, chilling out, eating at Waffle House. <laughs> yep, yep. Troll football with the next one says Mourinho brings on Lukaku, so it's ten men AC Milan against AS Roma with ten men. Respect. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's good yeah yeah uh, let's see so we have a couple of okay Keep so um there we go uh george yeah um not chelsea not chelsea not chelsea chelsea fans right now with a fork <laughs> plugging it into an outlet that's uh, sorry apex yeah all <laughs> uh, right moving on matt santangelo rafa leao leaving the saudi olympic of the day <laughs> That's good. Yes, he is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Napoleonismo, once again, SMS when Vlavic ends up leaving in August and he is forced to stay here until 2027. It's all your fucking fault. It's all your fault. You ended my fucking life. Uh, that was for back in the summer there. Uh, moving oh, on. Oh, my goodness. Saturnion, and its uh, original tweet was, uh, this guy H says, Beto is a phenomenal man. Beto, by the way, is now in the Premier League. <clears throat> Saturnion says, seeing Premier League fans calling Beto a Drogba region, when, City, when in City A, he was dribbling as if he has jeans were falling off. Serious discussions to be had about the quality in the league. We joke about all the time how our, our leftovers who can't make it in City A go over to, to England and, and flourish. You know, uh, what's the, uh, what's the guy from England? Um, name's escaping me at the moment. The Portuguese player. One of the many players that go there and, and be successful, right? So it's always yep. a joke. <laughs> Did that one? Uh, at Dibalexa, missing Kvica Kvaratelia, last seen scoring a City A goal. March 19th, 2023 versus Torino. Oh, man. For how about Australia? Lex was on him this weekend. Uh, here we go. Here she goes again. You'll never guess who has more goal contributions this season. CDK <laughs> or how about <laughs> That picture for CDK and never, never dies. I oh, love it. Uh, okay. Uh, so Fabio, a Napoli fan, saying, I promise you we will hold our Scudetto very well. Uh, Neda Tuli, Neda, our, our good friend Big Show, the holding. It's dropping. <laughs> uh, I remember right. that episode of The Office. Moving on, troll football. Chelsea loses another game. Uh, Bailey, I want to spend another 100 million euros. Uh, UEFA, you cannot transfer. Market is over. 
Why isn't it possible? It's just not. Why? <laughs> Why is it not possible? Why can't we spend more money? <laughs> uh... Okay. Uh... <laughs> Chelsea fans have celebrated more. Here we go. Than points in 2023. <laughs> the video that keeps on giving. Love it's it. not really a, a Calcio because uh, it's re revolving Chelsea, but yeah. we enjoyed the laugh. We did, we did. All right, come from goal at Chelsea reunion in Italy, and then uh, the quote was uh, it says uh, George says, uh, "Wondering what Lukaku said. I bet it was something along the lines of thank goodness we left that shit show of Chelsea.'" <laughs> <laughs> George with the zinger. Very uh, nice. I hope Apex doesn't listen here. Um, new meme unlocked. Salernitana Town Sporting Director Morgan De Sanctis sends a message in English to the Wolverhampton manager for trying to convince Dia to join yesterday. Uh, nothing against. An important historic Premier League club. Nothing against his fans, but to the manager of Wolverhampton, I say disrespectful behavior, disrespectful offer. Me, my president, and uh, all Salernitana's club, don't forget. I repeat, nothing against. An important historic Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't wow. missing words. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. All right. So Calcio guys are replying to Bearded Genius. <laughs> uh, uh, Daniel Radcliffe looks like he just won his club's first Serie A title in 20 years and thrown his kit to the ultra section. <laughs> uh, yeah, he does. He does. It kind uh, of qualifies, right. I guess. Yeah. Zabo says uh, Juventus is awake kid this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's spot on. All right. Uh, Martino uh, was nominated by Apex. The FIV FIGC are investigating Yasin Adli for these Milan fans' happiness. <laughs> the whole big uh, uh, investigation into Milan with uh, the Milan players singing uh, against Juventus in the, uh, in their, on their bus. And so... Uh, that's what that was all about there. Uh, Saturn Young coming in with uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek midfield battle versus Chala Nolan. The Derby picking off his coupe. And, uh... <laughs> Dancing around and picking up his hat. <laughs> They're driving home. It could be. Could be. Could be. Could be. <laughs> Nick Diani. So 2024, Veradi, all skills, passes, highlights, goals. <laughs> of course, Michael Veradi went to uh, Al Arabi from PSG for 50 million euros. Uh, and so, yeah, there's his highlights. Nick Diani does not hold back. Does not hold back. He all right. Not. Max Lombardia says, uh, I'm not bothered in the slightest about the Ballon d'Or nominations. Krunich will be fine. He'll just. Be <laughs> <laughs> Well done. I think well we done, have Max. a winner. Well done, Max. Oh. All right. So, football report. Uh, Ashraf Hakimi has retweeted lesbian porn. He has probably been hacked, right? Oh, right? Man. I, I don't even know what that is. But, yeah, that's uh, – if I can find it, let me find it because uh, – where is that? Uh, that was something. Anyway, Ashraf Hakimi – I'll find it somewhere. But uh, Ashraf Hakimi retweeting some lesbian porn stuff and everyone's like what's going on here and he didn't he never came out and said it was hacked or anything i think maybe he did i don't know it's just very bizarre very bizarre tweet there but uh 
moving on. Francesco says, uh, absolutely riveting content from the FIGC social media team here. And they're uh, stacking, sta sna stacking snacks. This is the content FIGC we all live for here. You don't well, need to watch this whole because, thing. Because uh, I guess... Uh, I guess paint watching them watching paint dry isn't on the board. I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, um, let's see here. So, um, oh, so don't be... oh no. Do you want Max Allegri and more AI videos? If the answer is yes, here's Allegri as Oppenheimer. It doesn't show oh. it, but it was funny. It was just a another AI swap, face swap with uh, Allegri as Oppenheimer. It's not working. They took it down since, but uh, he always stuff. loves posting that uh, dancing video. Yeah. Um, so uh, here's the uh, so this this is uh, our after our present predictions. Matteo, who was just on this uh, earlier on the podcast, says, "My boy Frank drinking some strong Kool Aid. Roma head of Juventus, uh, and you made your comment." And then he uh, Matteo says, "Juventus, who finally have a healthy Chiesa, Vlahovic, better wing backs, and the additions of Mang Manganelli behind the scenes, who is pushing for more aggressive attacking play. Those to be surprised if they went to Scudetto. Top four is a lock." So someone says, or as Massimiliano Allegri says, great prediction by a Malanista friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know this yeah, yeah, it's funny. Uh, All right. So we have um, uh, Colwell greater than Bastoni. Yeah, so someone tweeted him, says, how would you compare Colwell, who's in the, in the EPL, versus Bastoni? He's like, oh, yeah, Colwell's greater than Bastoni. What the fuck are you talking about? Prem face of the week here uh, to take uh, the Italian football podcast uh, comment there. Uh, in what world is Colwell better than Bastoni? <laughs> and that Marty TEI is commenting to him saying, get out of the sun. <laughs> yeah, crack is whack. What the fuck? Get out of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> the comments are funnier than the actual tweet. Yes, yes, yes. It's just like, what the hell, man? What the hell? All right. Uh, uh, let's see. Saturnion, Milan Labs, and an injured player returns to the team. Oh man! Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Stephen K. Moore's nominated. Uh, it's Immobile's fault. Why didn't he score? It was Roberto <laughs> Mancini's debut as Saudi Arabia manager. A three-one defeat to Costa Rica. Oh, it's all Immobile's fault. It's all Immobile's fault. Oh, that's great. Uh, moving on. Uh, Max Lombardi again. Italy when we play Macedonia. Oh, God. <laughs> At Kerber the Great. North Macedonia putting pineapple on pizza and making Italy watch it. <laughs> that's basically how the game went, right? <laughs> yep. Oh, all right. Moving on. Uh, all right. So Busta Calcio nominated this one from AJ. Fino Alafine, Juve fans realizing this might be a chance to terminate Pogba's contract without any cost. Juve fans realizing they might be the one who injected him with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, whoops. Very nice. Uh, uh, at Forza Juve English, Bonucci is taking legal action against Juve, complaining professional and image damage. Too late. They decided to show a picture of him in uh, in a Milan when he played with Milan. Yeah. Too late, Bonucci. Bonucci, uh, your image, you tarnished your own image there. Juve didn't do anything of it. And uh, finally. Finally, Francesco Calcio says, uh, these aliens look to be about the same age as the people running the Italian culture. <laughs> 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 
images of the aliens found by uh, the Mexican government there. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it looks about the age of the FIGC there, which they all need to get out. So uh, who do we win? Is it Max uh, Labardia with his original tweet? Or was Akuna's Max Labardia? Yeah, tweet? I think that's the best. I like that one. That one That one hit different than yeah, the rest of them. That's it. That's it. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. Good. Good shot there. Good shot there. All right. While you type that up, uh, give a shout out to uh, Matteo Bonetti for joining us on the podcast early on. Greatly appreciate it. Um, got a n- nice 40-minute conversation. We actually got a good backstory of how he came to be where he is in his position now. Great. Go check it back out early in the, in the podcast uh, to learn more about his uh, how he came up in here. So shout out to him. Um, shout out to uh, Couch with Reno. I see you there in the chat and see everyone that's here in the chat. Oh, thank you, guys. The chat, you guys brought it again. Good to have you guys on here with all your comments. Uh, obviously, the Pogba, the news there with Pogba really ignited the chat here tonight, but uh, for good reason, too, right? We'll stay tuned to see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, Calcio is back this weekend. Two big games. Frank, uh, excited about the, the big games this weekend. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait for these games to get started. It's going to be a great weekend uh, for City A, and we're going to have a lot to digest when we get back on our normal time on Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, so uh, excited to. Drop a little knowledge on uh, what we saw with Italy. We had, again, uh, Matteo, we couldn't be more grateful to him for uh, coming on and uh, uh, talking a little Calcio with us, um, uh, previewing the Derby, breaking down what we've seen with Italy, and, uh, of course, you know, and then just a little bit of Juve Lazio. Uh, great conversation here. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Chat, I appreciate all of you. You guys are amazing. Um, keep bringing the comments. Keep bringing the fire. It's great. Um, I... And uh, with that, I think we'll put a bow on this edition of City I Sit Down, where we have our own uh, channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is City I Sit Down. Uh, if you are watching us here for the first time on the YouTube channel, like what you see, uh, drop a like. Um, and please, more importantly, subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. How many subscribers are we at here on City I Sit Down on the YouTube channel? Not enough. We need more. We need more. Yeah, we need more. Pump that, pump that up. You know, let's get the subscribers up. We 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 do this. We, we do this out of the goodness of our hearts for you people, okay? Uh, so we could appreciate the support and hit that notification bell so that you know when we're ready to do a video drop or we go live. Uh, you can do that as well. So um, at City I Sit Down, you can follow us there on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at FTC underscore twenty one. Richard is at R underscore K H A R M A N. Uh, so those are the Twitter handles or the X handles or whatever we're calling them these days. Uh, so, uh, check us out in those spaces. Um, let's do it again Tuesday night. We're going to have some, uh, Champions League to talk about when, uh, when we, when we reconvene. Yes, sir. I'm ready. Excited. And a recap and a recap of the Derby and a recap of Juve Lazio and everything of match week four. So let's have a good weekend. Enjoy the Calcio. Uh, and uh, we'll be back with you all on Tuesday night. Until then, for Richard, I'm Frank. Please tell your paisans about us. Ciao!